If you don't account for your own need of finance, if you don't proactively build capital for yourself, then you're beholden to someone else. That is the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. Hello and welcome to the Durham Talents channel. My name is Jesse Durham. We're back for the next installation of our book review series of R. Nelson Nash's classic, Becoming Your Own Banker. We're in part two in the section where he covers the golden rule. Now, the golden rule simply states that he who has the gold makes the rules. Now, right off the top of my head, when I consider the golden rule, I have to also consider the other material, both recommended from Nash and from my own readings, where folks like Robert Kiyosaki would say, dollars is man's money. And gold is God's money. That's just a famous saying from Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He says that gold is, is God's money. So he's pointing out the historical relevance of physical gold. And in fact, there's a famous uh, parable in Scripture that talks about talents. So there's some historical reference there and in Scripture. So we see it in Scripture, we see it in history, gold itself, even when we get to something like Exeter's Pyramid. Now, this is just an interesting diagram that you could look up for yourself. If you could imagine a pyramid turned up on its point, well, the point, which in that upside-down version of a pyramid, that point is physical gold itself. And then there are other layers, there are other levels where things like real estate or businesses or other asset classes are categorized. And again, the point of that pyramid is precious metals or gold itself. So just trying to give some contextual inferences here while we consider what the gold rule, the golden rule implies for those who are vetting or implementing the infinite banking concept, as described in Nash's book. So let's start looking at capitalism itself in reference to this golden rule. So capitalism itself is not necessarily, in fact, I love how Rabbi Daniel Lappin points out often enough, where movies nowadays even will begin by showing this, this dark, mystical, evil business person. Okay, Make, making capitalism and business and the free market out to be uh, the bad guy. Well, again, once we do reckon, because this is just a human problem that we have to confront. He who has the gold makes the rules. What the golden rule is saying is that if we do not proactively go about the business of amassing capital for ourselves that we can access and control and grow, then that leaves us beholden to somebody else and their rules, their terms, their conditions, their stipulations about what kind of collateral we should provide. And, and, and then, of course, they will be the recipient of interest that we will pay for using their capital. So capitalism business, Rabbi Daniel Lappin will point out, is looked upon poorly. Nash mention, mentions this in his uh, chapter on the golden rule as well. It's out of favor, essentially. 
the idea of building capital, saving money, and there are plenty of folks out there with, with loud voices and platforms that will say, save, and that's great. And again, that's somewhat countered by other folks who will say, like, again, if I mentioned Robert Kiyosaki here, he'll say savers are losers. But he, he also says that in a very particular way, because again, Robert Kiyosaki is an avid precious metal enthusiast. So again, I'm not making recommendations here about get precious metals, don't get precious metals. That's not the point here. The point is, is who controls the banking function in your life? If you don't account for your own need of finance, if you don't proactively build capital for yourself, then you're beholden to someone else. That is the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. So with capitalism being viewed the way that it is, the common man not having savings virtually of, of any sort. I mean, there, there are plenty of statistics at the time of this recording that point the fact out of uh, $500, $1,000 not being accessible for the average American for a medical emergency, let alone something beyond the scope of a $500 or $1,000 emergency. So that's, that's certainly not talking about you know, warehousing your wealth, accounting for the banking function in your life, building up capital for your lifestyle, whatever that happens to be as a household, as a business, as an investor, whatever it is that we're already doing, the golden rule applies. It's just one of the core human problems that we must confront or stay beholden to someone else. In fact, there is this this YOLO mentality, this you only lived once YOLO mentality, this microwave mentality. I once heard someone call uh, folks insta people, meaning short attention spans, short patience, short term planning, short term vision, just now, 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 30 seconds in the microwave, your, your, your beverage or your soup isn't hot enough for you and you're angry that you have to wait another 30 seconds, he would call those insta people because they want everything right right now. And, of course, one of Nash's key principles in considering and implementing the infinite banking concept is thinking long range. And you certainly have to think long range when going about addressing the golden rule. Now, there are even many sayings, and, and we actually have a quotes series where we evaluate popular and, and sometimes not so widely known, but I want to address the popular, the well-known financial sayings that are out there that we are just embedded with from birth that are erroneous, not helpful. And, and one is even mentioned in particular in this section of Nash's book, this idea of paying through the nose of the amount of interest that you would have to pay to someone else because you've not proactively capitalized for yourself. So now that means you have to pay through the nose, so to speak. So again, I, I encourage you to check out our, our quotes series because, again, we address those popular quotes with an infinite banking lens to evaluate what's good, what's bad, what should we reconsider, okay? Uh, otherwise, we're just going to be paying through the nose. And I like to start always with, with education first. So hence a book review, hence a quote series. It's, it's worthwhile to do. 
Now let's get to Nash's Panasonic example in this chapter. What he was describing is that Panasonic at a time was looking for a new location to do business. So what they arrived at was considering and even starting to partner up with Mexico, bringing the famous, renowned Japanese capital to a, a location that is very well known for its industrious people, its hard-working people. So again, it's like the best of both worlds uh, was was looking to be to be set up. Great capital with great work ethic. And what happened was, is when Panasonic was bringing this business, bringing this capital, bringing this opportunity to Mexico, Mexico was wanting a majority share, saying, no, we're not going to have businesses here that Mexicans don't have a, a majority share of, of ownership of, of that company. And um, what we're going to see here and what Nash is pointing out is that's just a very real life example of a, of a match made, you'd say in heaven, but it was on earth, but of, but of a wonderful match with this great capital, great work ethic between these two peoples, and those who had the gold, those that were providing the capital, when confronted with Mexico saying, no, we're going to be, we're going to be majority owners or, or this isn't going to happen, that's when Japan was able to say, well, then this isn't going to happen. We'll, we'll take our, 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 our ball home with us, so to speak, if anybody's ever played basketball out there um, in the community or church or what have you. I'll take my ball and go home. Uh, sometimes that would happen as kids. Well, that's what the Japanese did. They had the gold. They made the rules. And they went somewhere else with that business, that capital, that opportunity. So what a very, I mean, we're familiar probably with this name of, of Panasonic. And again, with this, this, this famous work ethic represented in, in the Mexican people and in the Japanese capital. What happened there? Well, the Mexicans at that time were overlooking the human problem of the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. And Panasonic decided to take their business elsewhere. They were able to walk right away from Mexico's demands. And Nash continues by actually pointing out that capital is not just going to provide opportunity, which again in his book he actually says that where capital is amassed, opportunity will hunt it down meaning it will just present itself, opportunities, because of capital. But furthermore, he says that having capital is a responsibility, which I think is, is so very good to, to touch on the discipline and the responsibility that should be, will be, associated with capital. I mean, capital is not amassed without discipline. It's not... It's, it's not maintained or grown or developed without responsibility. So he's pointing out also that with capital comes a responsibility and it can affect all within its reach, good or bad. Again, good or bad, it can, it can 
it can make things so much better or if it moves somewhere else that that example that we have with Panasonic and, and Mexico, the Mexican government trying to trying to make too too high of demands, wherever wherever that capital is and however far it, it can reach, it will it will have an effect. And and if it's withdrawn or moved somewhere else, then there's going to be a vacuum there because he who has the gold makes the rules. So again, whether you're talking about at a company level, national government level, or down at the you and me level, which is more where I would like to talk. Panasonic is just a great example. Think about the purchasing power that you have by having the gold. You can help dictate rules. And it doesn't matter whether you are negotiating for a better price on rent if you pay a full year up front. That may be possible. Of course, there, there are other, other areas, whether it's your automobile insurance or uh, property taxes or, or so many different things where you can negotiate uh, a better price by having the gold, paying, paying, paying things early, for example, paying things ahead of time, negotiating a deal to, to better, better a price. And that's a win-win situation because you're getting more capital in someone else's hands who's providing a service or a product to you, which allows them to more quickly do and continue and grow and develop whatever it is that they're doing. But also on, on your side, of course, because you have that capital, you can make that offer or you can accept that opportunity or you can make those deals and negotiate those prices on various things as well. And that helps you to go and have that out of the way and be productive with whatever's next on, on your plate. So the, the purchasing power and the opportunities and the options that that gives you is a very strong point in accounting for the golden rule as well. And ultimately you have to consider how compared with everyone else, compared with everyone else, because what we do is always well compared to what, so if we're going about the business of accounting for the golden rule, amassing capital for ourselves, where we can grow it, where we can control it, where we can access it, where we maintain ownership, where we get to make the rules in comparison with the average American who is not, who is beholden to conventional lending, who is living paycheck to paycheck, who's not proactively amassing capital for themselves, that comparison is going to be so stark. Remember Nash's example about headwinds versus tailwinds? Compared to what? It's a very important point when considering the golden rule, because what we do in implementing the infinite banking concept is going to be compared to what the average American is doing which is bleeding out interest dollars left and right for their lifestyle. Another section in this chapter is Nash relating the impact that a piece written by Jackson Pemberton back in 1976, so that's going to be a bicentennial year uh, celebrating the independence of the United States of America. Jackson Pemberton wrote a piece in 1976 called A New Message, on the Constitution. And what he was addressing here was faulty premises. So let's consider what Mr. Pemberton 
wrote. Now, he, he wrote this as if the founding fathers were as well able, after 200 years, to look back and address the people of the United States of America, knowing what they knew from the time of declaring our nation's independence to looking at 200 years of history. And, and this, is, this is the section in Nash's book. And again, this is the golden rule. So we're, we're starting on page 31, and this chapter goes through page 33. But on page 31, But in spite of all our careful effort, we knew that it was not sufficient to merely launch the ship of state correctly. It needed to be tended by an alert, informed, and jealous citizenry. But history, like nature travels in cycles. Both liberty and oppression contain the seeds of their own destruction. Our success has brought the security which puts you to sleep. Now, basking in the dimming brilliance of the lights of liberty, you have been neither vigilant nor informed, and only recently have you begun to realize the correctness of your rising jealousy for your rights. Let those feelings of jealousy well up within you and cause you to alert yourselves to your true condition. Your executives have taken upon themselves to form foreign alliances and make domestic regulations without proper authority. They have violated your most fundamental law. Your judiciary has ignored the amending process and altered the meaning and intent of the Constitution they were sworn to defend. They've betrayed your most fundamental law. Your Congress has been watchful, yet not of the encroachments of the other two branches, but for opportunity to gain influence by purchasing your favor with your own money. They have ignored your most fundamental law, and you, you, seek for a remedy while it stares you in the face. You've lost the vision of your most fundamental law. Let me show you. You call the National Charter the Constitution of the United States. And that simple phrase contains both the totality of your plight and the seeds of your salvation. For in those six words you reveal your feeling that both you and your law are subject to your government. You are not the slave of government at all. But because you think so, you may as well be. Nay, the Constitution is your servant and the master of your government. It is not the Constitution of the United States. It is the Constitution of the people and for the United States. It is not only the law by which you are governed. It is the law by which you may govern your government. It is not the law by which high-handed politicians may impose their collective will upon you. It is for you to impose it upon them. It does not belong to the government. It belongs to you. It is yours. It is yours to enforce upon your government. It is yours to read to those self-wise do-gooders. And if you will hold it high in your hand, they will quail and flee before it like the cowardly knaves they are, while those who are your true friends will rejoice in your new commitment. I had to read that, that, that whole portion that was here in Nash's chapter. Now let's let's talk about these these faulty 
premises. Mr. Pemberton well points out that this is the constitution of the people, not the government. It's to be used by the people over the government, for the government, on the government of the people. Now, again, if you've not read our Nelson Nash's book and, and you've seen some of our other material here on, on the channel and podcasts, this may be uh, quite a new area for you. But I love, I love how we're getting into the Constitution, law, economics, so many different things. And, and it's so very important. And anybody who has noticed Nash's recommended reading in his works, Becoming Your Own Banker and Building Your Warehouse of Wealth, his, his books, uh, you, can, you can easily determine how important it was to Nash to continue education. Uh, furthermore, not just to continue education, but to, but to maintain and to wield our, our rights that we enjoy as Americans. So again, faulty premises. It's a faulty premise to think that the Constitution is some weapon, some entity of the government. It is not. It is the people's to wield. Furthermore, he's pointing out the balance or lack of balance, the imbalance between these three branches of government we have, the judiciary, Congress, and the executive branch. And he's pointing out how some have moved forward, how some have, have slacked off. Um, perhaps they have all not kept to what the intention of the Constitution has been to maintain checks and balances in our country. And why does this matter? Why, why are we talking about this? Well, we're talking about the Golden Rule. And we could certainly take a deep dive in talking about how inefficient government is, what if it, what our financial situation is. If, if you've never checked out the U.S. debt clock, go online and look up the U.S. debt clock and just, just see the trillions of dollars. And I throw out that word. It's such a big number. It's such a big number to get past millions. It's billions. Trillions of dollars. We're not slaves of that government. Government is there to represent the people. The Constitution is our tool. It's our filter. It is it is our document for our government. But that point that he brings up about, but if you think otherwise, it may as well be that way. If you think that the government is your overlord, your master, the boss, then it might as well be that way. But I, I encourage everyone, I encourage everyone to, to, to reread or just read. If you've been through, that's going to be kind of whitewashed on the, on the light. But to either read or reread your constitution, your your declaration of of independence. I mean, this is me a little 
unrehearsed right here saying that we the people of the United States of America in order to form a more perfect union establish justice ensure domestic tranquility provide for the common defense promote the general welfare and ensure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity to ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America the people Okay, so that was the preamble to to the Declaration. So again, I'm encouraging you to read the Declaration of Independence. I'm encouraging you to read the Constitution, the law of the land that we're all subject to. Because we, the people, decided that, not the government. That's a faulty premise. And and these faulty premises are worth addressing if we're not wanting to be slaves to our government. Again, why, why am I mentioning this? We already covered Willie Sutton's law, and we, we, we mentioned taxation when we were talking about Willie Sutton's law. Let me interject again another point. I love how James Nethery asks, why, if the government can print money or populate digits on a screen, and they can, why, if they can print money, do they even collect taxes? Well, he says, as a form of control. I mean, if they can print money, and they do, or populate digits on a screen, and they do, why even have taxes? Good question, Mr. Nethery. Well, these faulty premises must be addressed because he who has the gold makes the rules. Now, you as the individual, you as the individual American, What kind of a condition, what kind of a situation do you want to find yourself in? Beholden to the third-party lenders, the conventional banking system, this, 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 this financial economy where government is spending trillions of dollars, the banks are earning bukus of interest off of Money that's just created out of thin air. Or do you want to be in the position of having the gold and making the rules because you've built your own private monetary system and you're playing by your own rules? Okay, well, to be able to do that, we all must confront the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. Would you want that to be you or someone else? And government for sure... And these, these, these bureaucrats and elected officials and even other folks like, like teachers and some of the clergy, Nash says, uh, political action committees, the media, on and on and on. They foster, they foster this faulty premise of a relationship that the government is our overlord and that the government has the solutions that we need and that the government should be providing our our medical and and our housing and and our college i mean there's a lot there's a lot going on at the time of this recording about college and 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 debt payoff for for college from the government again we could go into so much right here but let's remember this the government doesn't create it takes it 
it, it takes from some to give to others. And again, certain programs, I understand we need to have national defense. Of course, of course, sure, sure, sure. And, and there are other things. But remember, remember what we addressed about plundering in, in Willie Sutton's. I'm just saying, if, if you haven't watched our, our piece on Willie Sutton's, you know, the golden rule comes after Willie Sutton's for, for a reason, I believe, in Nash's order of the book and also in, in these, these, these recordings of a, of a book review. The plundering that has taken place that we've read and thought and considered in addressing Willie Sutton's law, now here in the golden rule, to whom do we want to be beholden? Do we really want to abdicate the banking function and the ability to make rules for ourselves to the government? To those bureaucrats, to, to these other individuals or, or entities, or do we want to become our own banker? What Of course you do. You're, that's why you're watching this and, and listening to this, because you want to uh, I take a deeper dive into what it means to implement the infinite banking concept. And I know that I'm just speaking out loud to everyone that's listening. As we work our way through considering why amass the gold to make the rules for ourselves. Of course, it's to become our own banker. And a helpful analogy that, that Nash uses, and, and I love this, and I use this when I'm making live presentations or, or when I'm having even one-on-one -on -one conversations with prospects and clients and such as, Nash would say, and he does say in his book, he says, know who the characters are in the play. So in this play of life, there are characters. There's me, you, there's money, there are the conventional banks, there are these insurance companies, there's the government. So we need to know who the characters are in the play. And I've, I further developed that, that analogy by saying that the theme of the play is you can become your own banker. Becoming your own banker is the theme. The plot is the problem, what Nash called the problem which is the bleeding out of interest dollars, abdicating the banking function to someone else. And, but then there are many characters in this play, and it's good to know who the characters are in the play, recognizing their roles, our role, and determining what role we want to have in the play. The, the part that we're considering right now is having the gold, making the rules for our own private monetary system, our own personal monetary system. And what I was trying to say a moment ago was Nash actually mentions how bureaucrats, elected officials, teachers in government schools, I didn't always say it that way, and I'm a former high school Spanish teacher. I used to call it public education. It's not public education. It is government education. Government education. But government schools, some members of the clergy, political action committees, media people, on and on and on, foster what Nash called a national disease. That disease being that government has the solutions for our need of further education, college, our need of housing, our needing of medical, etc. Now, another point in this chapter of the Golden Rule 
is the cost of acquisition. Nash just goes ahead and he plants the seed that soon we will be getting to another chapter that addresses the cost of acquisition because capital has a cost to it. To know this simply, if you had a million dollars, would you lend it to me for 0% interest? I mean, would you do that? No. Capital has a cost to it. Furthermore, there is a cost to acquisition. Whatever that acquisition happens to be, there's a cost to acquire things. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Just, just planting that seed of the cost of acquisition is going to be relevant very soon. And then here he gives a reading suggestion of Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Now, that is about a thousand page book, a little bit more, I believe. Um, and I did make the effort to read that book. I've not read too many books that are that long. I have read some. But I found it enthralling. It was wild to me, and I can't remember whether whether that had been written in the 50s, 1950s, perhaps. Don't quote me on that. But long before I was born, long before I was born, and the topics and themes that were being addressed in that book seemed so very relevant to me in today's day and time that it reminded me there's there's nothing new under the sun. That's a piece of scripture for you if you care. Uh, but but I, I would also, so it's a, it's a recommended reading from Nash. I did get around to, to reading that a year or two ago, whenever it was. And I was enthralled and, and, and really taken back by how relevant the material in that book still was for me to consider today. So I think I, I have to leave it at that. It's a, it's a, it's a fiction book. Again, it's, it's lengthy. I found it to be very engaging and thought-provoking. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you have read that or, or if you do make a foray into that book, then put something in the comments about what you get out of that or reach out to me directly. I'd love to love to hear. But he does end that chapter by making a recommendation of reading Anne Rand's book, Atlas Shrugged. Again, we've been covering pages 31 through 33 of Becoming Your Own Banker, addressing the golden rule. Those who have the gold make the rules. I hope that this has been helpful to you. Whatever your takeaway has been, please put that down in the comment section so that I can know what's impacted you most. And if you'd like to have a conversation about how to implement the infinite banking concept into your household or your business or your investing, then don't hesitate to reach out to me. This has been a great pleasure. I look forward to our next conversation. Have a great day. Take care. Let's do that one more time, just in case. Nothing wrong with doing it, just in case. Well, my name is Jesse Durham. For today's something another, today's something another, the section on the golden rule. Did I say, did I say hello and welcome? Did I say where we're at? I don't remember now. Daniel Rabin, uh, <laughs> posture my young man posture another section of another section of this chapter chapter did i say chapter oh my goodness